Welcome aboard Too Many Captains Productions. And this is the Captain's Log Podcast. Where four anchors report on news stories from the world of entertainment with plenty of editorial commentary. And then we'll give you some recommendations for media consumption that you can trust. I'm Money Chris, executive producer. I'm Maddie G, audio and music enthusiast. I'm Johnny Dangerous, rogue researcher and editor. And I'm Movie Matt, engineer and resident technophile. The show starts now. It is December 1st, 2020. As usual, I am joined today by three captains who have gathered the tastiest nuggets of entertainment news for your knowledge acquisition and listening enjoyment. Say hello, shipmates. Good day. Hello. Hey. Hello, hello. Up first today, Movie Matt, what's your headline? Conan O'Brien was told by a wise man in 1993. Johnny Carson said, the best career advice is to find your way to a streaming platform. And he's done that. He is leaving TBS, the safe confines of comedy on TBS, to go over to the wild world of HBO Max. It's kind of a big move. Still with Warner Media, so you know there's not big contract changes or anything like that. But uh, he's jumping over to uh, moving his show, or what will be probably you know a tweaked version of the show to HBO Max. Are any of the other captains fans of Conan? What do you guys think of this? Before that, I actually saw that quote on a meme on my Parlor account, and I'm pretty sure that was Abraham Lincoln that said that. <laughs> yeah, dude, we need to reference uh, your Parlor account for you know true factual information (laughs) (laughs) i'm a big fan of conan and it's been very interesting to see how he has moved or been forced to move around several times i was curious does this have to do more with how the show was doing on tbs or is this more of warner saying we'd like to move our viewers to our newer media format and we're giving up on some of these pay cable channels kind of. I think it's kind of a win-win, you know, I mean, Conan gets more free reign and Warner is able to move a flagship kind of a tent pole, you know, of their brand over to their streaming platform. I think part of it too was, what was it? Maybe about a year ago, Conan was, I don't know, quoted as saying that he thought the late night, the old format was kind of dead. And that's why he changed it from, I think he went from an hour to 30 minutes and lost the desk and he's sitting in just two chairs now. I think this is just a continuation of that. That's my opinion. I don't know that for a fact, but. It's kind of crazy that Conan is like the late night king now, uh, having done it for 27 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I guess maybe... Jimmy Kimmel. I, I forgot who who's been the longest on air now besides him. But it hasn't been a whole lot. I think it is Kimmel. After after Coney. Probably. Yeah. Because Fallon had the two different shows, whereas Kimmel's been consistent. But I think they probably came on the air around the same time, both of the Jimmys. And I'm assuming we're not counting the Larry King infomercials. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not doing that. We just talked on one of our last shows about Jon Stewart coming back and going to a streaming platform. There's 
part of me who wonders, uh, like maybe you have the major networks keep their late night hosts, you know, CBS, ABC, NBC, but for the most part, you don't see cable shows in late night. It goes to streaming shows. So who's going to be, you know, is Samantha B going to go to Hulu or is what, what else is going to happen in these weekly show formats to amplify their, their relevance? This is away from what kind of the bread and butter of the streaming platforms. They were, you know, all about dropping shows that you'd watch a whole season at once versus this is going to be weekly releases that it's timely. Maybe they're trying to capture a new audience. This is going to be weekly releases. That was my impression is that it was going to have a, a weekly show versus his whatever. I think he was doing like the Monday through Thursday thing, which has become pretty popular. But I think it's going to be like once a week, an hour episode or something like that cool jimmy kimmel started in 2003 with jimmy kimmel live and jimmy fallon started late night in 2009 okay been a fan of conan since he was on the late show so it'll be interesting to see what happens lots of changing changes going on going back to what you were saying i think this is definitely an attempt to grab you know streamers for hbo max a lot coming to hbo max near in the near future yeah and you can now get your HBO Max over on uh, your Amazon Fire Stick, which is new, right? Yep. Still the only one they haven't been able to capitalize is Roku. Well, you know. Matty G, speaking of streaming, I hear there's some new stuff coming over to Netflix. Yes, that's that's correct. So in an interview with French magazine Premiere, director David Fincher said that he has an exclusive deal with Netflix for another four years. It seems that Fincher made an even longer deal with Netflix that included his upcoming film, Mank. But whether it was for funding, distribution, creation, or whatever for Mank is unclear. Fincher said that he would like to use the Netflix deal to try different things. He went on to say that he likes the idea of having a body of work, but that after 40 years in the business, he only has 10 or 11 films to his credit. Unfortunately, it doesn't appear that this means that he will continue his Mindhunter series. He stated in a separate but recent interview that the 90-hour work week needed to create Mindhunter was not something he wanted to return to right now. As long as Fincher seems to take on film projects, it'll be interesting to see if we get more than one movie, but also how he will look to possibly branch out. I'll be eagerly awaiting, no matter what he does. Actually, I don't know if I really want to see a Fincher rom-com, though. Oh, wait. I think he did already do that. Gone Girl was a rom-com, right? Fincher's newest movie, Mank, will be released on Netflix December 4th. I'm kind of disappointed a little bit by this news because I I fully assumed in, in just reading the headline that that meant that Mindhunter was for sure coming back because that's a Netflix property, right? Yes, it is. I wish it did too. He said he wouldn't mind. He might revisit it, but it would be quite a while before he does that. So it's going to be movies, not new tv series that he's doing for them or it could be tv series it could it could be a series it could be a movie and a series who knows whatever he wants to do in four years i guess i don't know i I don't it's like it feels good and bad i mean i'm hoping that it means we get more content from him because i i know that there's a kind of a tarnish on the reputation of the show however i would say that he's been behind two great shows between Mindhunter, which we already talked about, and House of Cards, which kind of, in a lot of ways, kicked off the success of Netflix as a serious yeah. 
TV series location. So I don't know if their, if their thought is that we're going to capture what got us here and try to continue that on because he's absolutely a genius director. There's no doubt about that. I would assume that there's got to be a clause in there. There's got to be a certain amount of content created in four years that it's not just like, <laughs> we'll pay you not to release anything anywhere else for four years. Right. We're locking you up so no one else can have you. So you can't go over to HBO Max. <laughs> You better give us one more movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can have Conan, but they're not getting David Fincher. They're going to have the uh, David Fincher uh, Snyder cut <laughs> released on HBO Max. <laughs> you've seen the first cut. Now you've seen the second cut. Now you'll get the third cut of the same movie with 9,000 minutes of never before seen footage. That would be, yeah, I like that. David Fincher recuts every movie that Netflix has rights to. <laughs> Just his David Fincher presents whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, that's mine. Money, what do you got? Well, after 36 years with Alex Trebek passing, we are now looking for a new host for Jeopardy. And I was going to go through some of the odds to see what you guys thought. Top of the list is Ken Jennings. So can you bet on this in Vegas right now? I believe so. Oh. I was literally opening my Bovada account. <laughs> you can bet online too. These odds are five days old, so, you know. Okay. So Ken Jennings is one to one. LeVar Burton is one to two. Oh. George Stephanopoulos is one to five. Oh. Neil deGrasse Tyson is one to 14. Ryan Seacrest, one to 18. And there's two other members, Alex Faust or Faust, which I'm sure you guys probably have no idea who this person is. Is he a former Jeopardy champ or something? No, he is a sportscaster and he's the play by play for the Los Angeles Kings. Wow. And basically, uh, Trebek said that he might be somebody that could replace him. So he had mentioned his name, Laura Coates who's over at CNN. And then I'll just add some names that are further down the list on the odds. Was Laura Coates the only female so far? Yes. Okay. Oh, I was going to say so, Jane Lynch should be on there because she, <laughs> she hosts every game show now. <laughs> she's 1 to 33. Oh, she is on the list. Oh, she is on <laughs> she's on the list. I don't know who this person is. Mina Kimes? She's ESPN. She's really smart, so I could see that. And she gets cool points for having pavement stuff in the background of her shots. After Laura Coates, there's Pat Sajak, Mina Kimes, Jimmy Kimmel, Neil Patrick Harris, Tom Bergeron, Trevor Noah, Wolf Blitzer, Drew Carey, Jane Lynch, Katie Couric, Chris Harrison, Howie Mandel, John Stewart, Piers Morgan, Steve Harvey, probably not, Aaron Andrews, <laughs> Nick Cannon, Al Michaels, Joe Rogan, Rosie Perez, that's kind of out of left field, Oprah Winfrey. Yeah, Oprah. <laughs> slumming it <laughs> she's like one to yeah she's like a one to a thousand odds well, it doesn't um, pat sajak make no sense either <laughs> yeah i i agree and not only that but he's one to 20 so he's i mean he's down the list but why would you want to go you know what yeah i've been doing the same thing for whatever besides the fact that his next move will be to retire not, not yeah not yeah exactly new show let's let's get somebody else who's we're gonna have to replace in another five to ten years <laughs> 
to, to replace him. So, you know, Ken Jennings did host some when, and so I think, you know, that's a pretty good indicator that they're thinking about him, but I think LeVar Burton's a pretty good replacement. I think it'd be funny seeing the editing they would have to do if they had Neil deGrasse Tyson doing it because he would just explain every answer instead of just reading the answer. <laughs> he, they only get to like the first three questions and they're like, we're out of time. All right. Yeah, I wouldn't put him in the fourth. I mean, they have him in the fourth, fourth most likely, but I doubt it. Ryan Seacrest is another one where I'm like, I don't want to watch Jeopardy with Ryan Seacrest. I don't, I don't see that either. I think it's somebody, I think like even like that's why I'm saying thing like Mina Kimes makes sense because I think it's going to have to be somebody who has the reputation of being very knowledgeable whether or not they actually are I mean that's the tricky thing and Alex Trebek has said it before it's like if you always know the answer to everything because you're the host it makes you seem smarter than maybe you are but I just think if if you're coming into that role it's probably going to be somebody who has that reputation as being like knowledgeable it's funny you say that because I did leave the one to ten thousand odds off Donald Trump. Yes, I was going to say that. <laughs> Somebody who's looking for a job, you know. He's 10 times less likely than Oprah Winfrey, but obviously is probably 10 times smarter than Oprah Winfrey. He's probably looking for content for Trump TV. And he can take his past experience and instead of announcing the winner, he'll just fire the other two. Now, here's a real question. Would they actually vet the answers or would they just take the actual answer as whatever the most likely answer is on parlor <laughs> kind of like the uh <laughs> like we asked 100 people on parlor kind of like the oh, family feud 60 percent of them said that h2o was poisonous <laughs> today's daily double what was the attendance at yeah, the 2016 exactly. inauguration <laughs> we'll take 500 million 700 million 4 billion, 100 billion, anything over 10 to 50 million is an accurate answer. <laughs> These household items just go drip, drip, drip. What are sinks? <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> How many times did you have to flush? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do think it's going to be Ken Jennings. And he's kind of, even though he kind of, I, I don't think maybe he had that kind of, I mean, hosting maybe ability. It feels like over the past five or 10 years, he's been doing lots of stuff, social media and things like that, kind of refining who he is, maybe you're or learning some of those skills to, to do that type of job. He got a good publicist. Yeah, probably. It's It's kind of amazing to even the whole concept that, the guy who won a bunch on Jeopardy. Yeah. We don't go like, oh man, that family on Family Feud that won the most money. <laughs> uh, they really cleaned it up. I don't, you know. I think it would be a first that somebody who won a game show goes on to host a game show. Probably even appeared on a game show went on to host a game show. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I thought, I've always wanted to be on Jeopardy, but I've, there's like a certain fear and like if it just happened to be like because there's times where I watch it and I feel like I'm really good. And other times I'm like, I know nothing about these categories. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like afraid I'd show up and be like an embarrassment. People be like, do, weren't you on Jeopardy? I was like, yeah, they canceled that episode. Don't, <laughs> don't bother watching. <laughs> I lost the tapes.
Yeah. Yeah. I know, <laughs> I know two people that were on the show in the last couple of years and one of them was winning the entire time until Final Jeopardy when it got to the Handmaiden's Tale. And you could tell that the other people that he was playing against had definitely read that book a couple times, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so he missed the, I don't know if it was, I think it was they had the author's name and guessed the book. And so he missed that. So he missed out on the last question, but he was leading the whole time. See, I'd feel fine about that because like I, I'm totally okay with not knowing an answer because I don't think that I know everything. But if it was just like the whole thing, you had like negative 200 points or something, I'd just be like, oh God. I don't, I don't know the whole process. So they, you do an online test and they make it to where you can't cheat. So it's like you have, you know, a few seconds to answer the questions and then they take you out. And then I think you do it again. And then they kind of do like a, are you somebody we would want to have on the show or are you really freaking weird? <laughs> um, I'm kind of surprised these guys made it through that process, but <laughs> it just says something about their other applicants. Maybe. <laughs> I always wanted to do Music Jeopardy when it, when they had that on VH1. Was that Sugar? Is it Sugar Ray guy who's like really smart? At- Mark McGrath. Yeah, is it him? I it may have been. I don't really remember. I'll have to. He's like I think up. it's Mark McGrath, but he's like really knows like everything about the history of music, which always kind of surprised me based on the band. Another in. guy who won several times who was really good was Dave Mustaine of Megadeth. Okay, believe it or not, knows. He knows a lot. He was good. What What are the odds on Mark McGrath or Dave Mustaine hosting? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna point out. Like, I feel like, well, honestly, um, we're gonna have to check after this episode hits. We're gonna have to check Bet Online because the Captain Bump's gonna move them up there. <laughs> All of a sudden, Dave Mustaine's one to eight. <laughs> what happened? I don't know. <laughs> Jeff Probst hosted it. Music Jeopardy. Oh, okay. So let's get back to this music Jeopardy thing. Why is this not an HBO Max? <laughs> like, it doesn't seem like it's a, I mean, it's a fun concept, right? They could even do movies as well. And just throw it out there. Well, and none of the, there's not, I can't think of any of the major streaming services that have any game shows. Once again, it's like another, I guess, untapped market. I don't know. Oh. No, isn't there Supermarket Sweep over on Netflix? Is that new stuff or is that just showing the old ones? That's new. Okay. There you they go. Have, they have new ones. Is that the one with Leslie Jones? Is she hosting? I think so. But is that Netflix or is that on one of the networks? Hold on. Let me check. Well, I guess she's a free agent now because she left SNL, right? Last year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Supermarket Sweep 2020. It's on ABC. Yeah. Well, so so it stands. I do think that there's one that they do have um, several uh, there's like the floor is lava. Oh yeah. 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 Clicks and stuff like that. <laughs> and there's, there's competitions, but they're not, they're physical. They're not, you know, questions, answers, things like that. More of like the things where giant things are knocking people into water or whatever stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. Not your classic trivia game show. Correct. Or you know, like they could do a Plinko word puzzle. Or... Yeah. <laughs> All right. So speaking of streaming content and history, 
Johnny Dangerous, what do you have for us? The people who make blockbuster tentpole films planning release this year have been living in uncertainty for months, and that still continues today. Warner Brothers had a tough decision to make with Patty Jenkins' blockbuster sequel, Wonder Woman 1984. This movie has been everywhere on the calendar. They planned to release on June 5th, and due to the pandemic, pushed to August 14th, then October 2nd, then Christmas. Still, the COVID nightmare continues and shows no signs of relenting. So Warner Brothers was faced with a conundrum. Do they push yet another film to summer 2021 or take losses again on a big budget film in theaters that most Americans can't or won't go see like their failed experiment with Christopher Nolan's Tenet? They've come up with a solution. Release the film in theaters and simultaneously streaming online at HBO Max. The hope is that as many people who can go see the film on the big screen will, as this is where the studio makes the biggest portion of their profits. And many theater chains are begging audiences to come back for these type of blockbuster releases. At the same time, HBO Max had that problematic rollout and desperately needs a boost to subscriptions that maybe WW 1984 could provide. If you haven't caught on yet, AT&T owns Warner Media that owns both Warner Brothers Production Studio and HBO and a bunch of other stuff too. To me, it appears they are once again looking to the example of how Disney is managing the crisis and trying to find their own way. One big advantage to you, the viewer, is unlike Mulan and Soul that require an additional $30 fee on top of your Disney Plus subscription, there will be no added cost beyond your membership to HBO Max to catch the latest DCEU adventure. What say you fellow captains? Will you go to the theater or subscribe in order to see this sequel December 25th? And do you predict this becomes a template for other major releases in the coming months? I want to quote Jeff Goldstein, Warner Brothers president of domestic distribution. We had tremendous success releasing the first Wonder Woman film during the summer. So when we saw an opportunity to take advantage of the changing competitive landscape, we did. This move lands the film exactly where it belongs. This is him announcing probably one of the dumbest moves of all time, moving Wonder Woman 1984 from November 1st, 2019 to June yep. 5th, 2020. <laughs> yep. Little did he know how big of a fuck up this was. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even go back and there was actually, as you mentioned, that they had looked at Christmas time last year to drop this movie and pushed it back on the calendar to kind of line up their releases better. And you're right. It was absolutely a horrible idea if they would have known what, what this summer would look like. To, to quote Gangs of New York, oopsie daisy. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I called in a favor to have a movie I liked released on my birthday, and I've cost people <laughs> millions, possibly billions of dollars. So it was all your fault that it was moved to this summer. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Close and personal friend Gal Gadot asked me what I wanted for my birthday, and I said, I want the movie on my birthday. It is. I mean, this one has been kind of, I mean, there's obviously been a couple of ones that people have been looking forward to and talking about for so long. I didn't even know. I mean, even a week ago, it was really uncertain whether or not this would be yet another push. Um, movies that I just talked about last time we recorded, like Free Guy, um, Ryan Reynolds' next release, 
it was supposed to be out before the end of the year and it's going to be next summer. I also wonder, cause obviously you get, when you sign up for these, you usually get the free week or month or whatever, if they're going to try to combat that or if they, or if they're just going to hope that people will forget or just stay with the service. Cause you could just, Oh, Hey, free for a week. I'll watch wonder woman. And I'll get out. I think they'll be happy with that. Yep. Because so many people don't cancel things. Yeah. I bet the percentage of just even having people sign up for free trials is really high in how many they retain as customers, at least for a short period of time. And they've got to get their subscription count up because Disney Plus and a couple others are still killing them. Netflix, Hulu. It seemed like they seem to think that they get the Roku deal done before this as well, which which should help. I think they should do anything that it takes to get that done. I think I read that it's still the number one with like somewhere between 30 and 40% of people are watching through some kind of a Roku device when they stream. So you can't lose out on that kind of a market share. I already am on HBO max. Uh, I do not see any chance of being at a theater on December 25th, but I had already talked to my wife and that's kind of our Christmas plans is open presents with the kids and when they take a nap or go to bed for the night we're gonna watch the movie pretty much the same here too now if we could rent out the dolby theater for a hundred dollars at amc oh wow the whole theater man i mean that's what they're doing i don't know <laughs> if they'll do it for the new releases but if we could do a whole theater we could probably go watch it in the theater yeah that'd be fun i call balcony <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I it's it's really interesting. Uh, everything how it's lining out. I still think if we could have released a movie this year, we'd have such great um odds at, you know, being uh, awards contenders. <laughs> it's a it's a weird year. The next 2 years are just going to be stacked with blockbuster or tentpole movie after blockbuster tentpole movie. Be like, oh yeah, I have I have the March tentpole release in the April. Yeah, there's gonna be <laughs> Yeah. The studios are gonna start giving out vaccines if you go watch their movies. <laughs> <laughs> the vaccine's free, but you gotta pay your $20 ticket for the movie, and that's how we're gonna make money. <laughs> yeah, it is really crazy, but I don't know. I'm excited. I've been wanting to see this movie for a long time. Yeah. Money, are you upset that you're not going to be able to see this in 4k at home until the blu-ray or the uhd drops it annoys me to no end that there's no 4k on hbo max however watching lovecraft country it actually it does, did seem like it was a very good picture quality so i'm not i don't think i'm going to be too disappointed in the quality that they have mm -hmm. but it's kind of one of those things where, you know, let me rent it for seven bucks in 4K if you're going to release it on HBO Max uh, at the same time. And my frustration is uh, on the other side of the house, the audio. So far, HBO Max has not had anything beyond Dolby Digital Plus. So unless they do something with their app or their technology, I don't see this being in Atmos or, you know, DTSX. Uh, you're just making me more disappointed. Maybe something can change because that's all software side you know that's that sort of technology it's it's within their grasp it's just if they decide that that's a priority or not to put on there yeah this is one of those things where you're like oh hey by the way guys we're gonna have some 4k content now 
Mm -hmm. Like that's what this should be. But I don't think, I mean, it's not because I haven't said it yet. Yeah. It's a lot to roll out. I don't know. I don't know if they'll get there. I hope so. The other thing that I read, I don't, I don't know exactly how this is going to work is as of right now, this is only going to be on HBO max for one month. And then it will only be back. It will, it will stay in the theaters for the rest of however long they're going to keep it in theaters. And then it will come back out when the discs drop. So if you do want to see this and you do want to subscribe, don't wait too long. <laughs> Get in in those first three or four weeks because it might not be available to you for a while afterwards. All right. Well, that takes us to the end of the first half of the show. Stay tuned to these messages and we will be right back. In July of 2020, four men rented a houseboat outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma, with a plan to execute what they called the legendary Arkansas River Booze Cruise. Having little to no maritime experience, they chose to bring along some fishing poles, a pot still, various forms of video entertainment and recording equipment to document their experience along the way. Lacking the common sense to steer the ship towards any number of ports downstream, they were last seen exiting the mouth of the mighty Mississippi laughing and oblivious to the dangers on the open waters of the Gulf of Mexico and ultimately the Atlantic Ocean. And as luck would have it, they had early access to Elon Musk's Starlink internet connection. And rather than using that technology to find their way home or contact loved ones, they have instead been broadcasting a weekly pop culture podcast. Without any clear leader or mission, they have dubbed themselves Too Many Captains Productions. If a morbid curiosity has you wanting to find out more, you can find them at amoviepodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, and we're now entering the Watch Report, where, you guessed it, we talk about some of what we've been watching. Money. Tell us all about a story of how your life got flipped, turned upside down. I watched the Fresh Prince reunion on HBO Max, released on November 19th and it's basically they recreated the, the set and they have everybody from the cast you know sit down on a couch they kind of go over some some scenes in the past you know they've got a projector screen or something they're looking at and I, I you know they show the audience kind of the history of the show the things they remember the cast members you know just kind of reliving what it was like so many years ago did any of you guys catch this? Yes, I did. I thought it was pretty good if you're a Fresh Prince fan. I don't know exactly how many of the episodes I watched because, you know, back in the day when you had VCRs and you had to watch it when it was on TV, I, I, you know, I don't know how many I saw. I did like the show, though. Yeah, I like the show, too. I like watching these reunion type shows just mainly for like behind the scenes type stuff. But I was really interested in because I saw that they were going to be doing a reunion with the original Aunt Viv. So that that was kind of the highlight for me because I've I always heard there was bad blood between her and Will Smith, so they they addressed that in this reunion. So was that the only Aunt Viv or were both there? Both were there. Oh, but I mean it's I'm not spoiling anything because it's in the trailer or whatever, but yes, he he brings her in unknownst to the rest of them that she's there. So it starts out with just new Viv. Right. And then old Viv gets brought out. Okay. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because I really only recognize original Aunt Viv. Like that's, I think I watched the the show probably at the beginning before she was recast mostly. So she's kind of always 
in my head, if I'm thinking Fresh Prince, it's always her. Is DJ Jazzy Jeff there? Yep. Yes, he he was there, and they they kind of cover the story of how the TV show got started, and they just had an idea, and they're like, "Okay, Will, you're gonna be you're gonna be in this TV show," and they go to a party at Quincy Jones's house, and then like all the executives are there from the TV show, and he's like, "Okay, you're gonna do your audition now." For everybody and he's like what can it can you can you give me some time to because he hasn't done any acting at this point so he says you know hey give me give me a couple minutes and he ends up getting the deal i guess and dj jazzy jeff i guess said he shows up a little bit later and he goes well i guess i have a tv show now and like <laughs> what you know because he's like going to this party all of a sudden he has a tv show good and i guess they they got it done real quick the other thing they they went over was all the time uh, because he was new at acting, he would memorize everyone's lines. So while he's going through the the show, he's mouthing everybody else's lines as they're talking. And so there's a lot of instances where you can see it on camera where his mouth's moving, what the person he's talking to is saying. It's kind of funny. Something I didn't notice back in the day. But So had they already released albums that people were buying? Yes. Okay. Some could say he was a musician turned actor. <laughs> you could. Yeah, I I think his stardom was really close to the TV show. Mm. Let me go back and see what his discography. Well, I don't think he's released an album since Big Willie style or whatever, which was right around turn of the century, right? Yeah, I'm waiting for his diss track against Eminem. He's got to get him back, right? Yeah, I don't think he has to worry about anything. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's. I, I think if Eminem wants to uh, talk about how much better of a rapping career he's had, Will Smith can just say, okay, let's compare acting careers. <laughs> True. <laughs> Doing just fine. Just fine. Is Big Willie style his first? No, because he had the albums in the 80s that had like Summertime and all that on it. Google is not being uh, nice to me on this. Maybe we should just drop it. Well, are you looking for Fresh Prince or are you looking for Will Smith? Oh, that's the problem. Because he was already Fresh Prince. Yeah, that's my problem. I did Will Smith instead of... Well, it's giving me the same thing. Huh. 85. Yeah, because Summertime and Parents Just Don't Understand were like the two really big hits. Yeah, Parents Just Don't Understand was 88. So there was no actual show. It was literally them, the actors, talking about their experiences. There, there wasn't a skit or a performance or anything. Right. Okay. No, no show. Yeah. No, there was a, basically, I think one of the writers had a similar situation, and I forgot exactly who it was that they mentioned it, that basically, you know, they went from a similar situation as Will Smith to, you know, Bel Air and, and the challenges that came with all of that. And then they moved the character around his story as well. So West Philadelphia is because that's where Will was from, stuff like that. I mean, I saw the trailer for it. Was this filmed prior to COVID or were they just doing some type of precautions off screen that you couldn't see? I bet you this is probably during COVID. Because they've done a lot of these, but they've all been Zoom recently. Movies and TV shows, actors getting back together. But they've, I've just, this one looked different, obviously, seeing them all in the same room. They probably made all of them take tests except for Will Smith because he's the only one that's <laughs> not expendable. I'm pretty sure it was done during COVID because whenever some people are brought off from the side, you can see some of the people that are like filming and they have masks on. 
Okay. All right. And the other thing that I'm going to mention that I watched real quick is just that I watched the Supernatural finale after 15 seasons. Oh, man. Which I'll probably bring that up on a future little big screen. I didn't know it was 15 seasons. That's a long time. It is. It's. I think it's the longest running um, genre show, which, you know, you have to get into these very specific genres, you know, like the longest animated show for the Simpsons and, you know, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. some of the things go through different yeah. categories. Live action sitcom is now it's always sunny, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same situation now. And how many seasons is always sunny? They have done 14 and they're filming the 15th. So it's technically not until they release the 15th that it will become that, but it, it will happen. About the same time as, as Supernatural. They really wrapped up the show. There's not a lot of unsolved mysteries. Movie Matt, what have you got for us? Well, speaking <laughs> of unsolved mysteries, I stumbled across this week, uh, this past week, the new episodes that are on Netflix. I know they've been on there for a bit, but uh, I hadn't watched any of them. Uh, you know, I used to watch this show when I was, you know, back in the 90s, and it's like original NBC incarnation. I did watch an episode this week uh, about a murder in Oslo. Someone, you know, a young woman was found uh, murdered in a hotel room with no identification. And they haven't been able to find out who she is. I mean, I feel like she's a spy, but uh, he was taken out. But that's just, you know, my my opinion. But anyway, these are like mind fucks. I mean, you're, you're like, what the hell? How did this go? You know, so and there's a few of them I've been in doing the research. Um, there's an episode on the former White House aide who was found murdered. You know, there's a bunch of crazy episodes in here. Lady in the Lake, one about missing kids. So I guess this is a newer, This is this, I think this is the second season that's dropped on Netflix. It just came out. So have any of the other uh, captains watched uh, any of these unsolved mysteries? Or do you have an unsolved mystery of your own? <laughs> I saw all of season one and most of season two and it's a, that Oslo one that you were talking about was pretty interesting because, you know, they said, Hey, we found her. They think it's, they called it a suicide that she shot herself, but she's like still holding the gun, but she was holding the gun like backwards and she still had it in her hand. And they're like, there's no way that you could hold the gun like that and still be grasping it um after you fired a shot so but yeah they don't even know who this person is to even have the conversation which is is kind of weird <laughs> she's totally a spy right he was taken out by another group of spies definitely i think so because you sit there and you think so nobody's looking for this person or has looked for this person you know you'd think that normally what would happen is is you'd say okay, this person got killed, so on and so forth. But then her family would be like, hey, this person's been missing. Unless the government paid them to not say anything. Exactly. Yeah, like uh, like Money, I've watched the first season and most of the second and the last two I've seen was the Oslo one, which, as you said, was very interesting. And then last night I watched the one about John Wheeler, which was the mm. presidential aide. That one was pretty interesting too. Which administration is John Wheeler from? Is that Clinton era? I believe he was uh, original Bush, right? Movie yeah. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was uh, Bush, Bush, Bush senior. senior. 
yeah, it's a that's an interesting one too because he ends up getting shot and then they find him in a landfill and they don't know why they killed you know why he got shot and so on and so forth. So I had a date of release of uh, July thirty first, twenty twenty. Was that just the second season release drop date? And the other season had come out in 2019, or have they dropped out two in that short period of time? Two seasons. It might. I mean, it seems like it was pretty close to one another, but okay. Yeah, I don't think it was a year apart. Plus, the seasons are short. They're like what six episodes each, or something like that. Yeah, but I think it was probably still maybe. Is it the same music and host as the old show? No host, but uh, the music, yes. I didn't ever really watch it, but I mean, I'm familiar enough with just pop culture of that song and him coming on and being like, somebody sent a, send a, send a. <laughs> Was it Robert Ulrich or? Yeah, that sounds right. Something like that. Ulrich. The original host I know passed. It's, it's definitely, you know, more of a kind of the Netflix docudrama format. No host, more documentary style. Is it journalistic in that they're trying to solve these mysteries or they're just like, hey, this is something to creep you out and make you think? Somewhere in the middle. Because it feels like the podcast, they've kind of gone into like, we're going to solve these crimes. You know, we're trying to figure it out. That was July 2020 is when the first first season showed up. That is really fast to have two seasons out. I'm a little confused because it's like, July seems like so long ago at this point, and it hasn't really been that long. No, it hasn't. And it's not July. I mean, it's the last day of July yeah. is when it dropped the first season, which is like wow. five months Hell, ago. Hell, I feel like we started this podcast the last decade. <laughs> <laughs> Celebrating our 20th season. Yeah. We're now the longest running <laughs> captain-based movie podcast from Tulsa with people our ages <laughs> and birthdays. Yeah. <laughs> it's an, so it's uh, also an unsolved mystery if this episode is sponsored by HBO Max or not. Uh, but let's uh, go to Johnny Dangerous. Uh, what do you got for us here? Yeah. <laughs> I think this is the longest the show has been without mentioning Quibi. Oh, God, don't bring that up. It still hurts. Quibi coverage you can count on. <laughs> All right. A few films released in the early parts of this year and will go down as unsuspected box office winners. One such film is Emma. Typically, a January or February release is a sign that the studio doesn't feel a critical or commercial success is likely. But in 2020, all the rules are off. The period comedy drama dropped on February 21st and did fairly well, pulling in $25 million worldwide on a $10 million budget. From one of our favorite indie studios, Focus Features, Emma also marks the directorial debut of Autumn DeWild. DeWild is best known as a photographer of bands, which led to directing music videos, and now this feature film. Based on the Jane Austen novel of the same name, set during the Regency-era England, early 1800s, it tells the story of a young, wealthy, and eligible Emma Woodhouse, who quite enjoys meddling in the romantic pursuits of her contemporaries. As the story progresses, she finds herself competing for the affections of her sister's husband's brother, Mr. Knightley. 
The film stars one of our favorites, Anya Taylor-Joy, in the titular role, who we just recently expressed appreciation for in The Queen's Gambit. Other roles are played by somewhat unknown British actors, but they do have one other big name in Bill Nighy in a funny and memorable performance as her father. The film has received generally favorable reviews and holds a 71 out of 100 score on Metacritic. It is a very visually pleasing aesthetic, as should be expected when the director is a world-famous photographer. She brought in Christopher Blauvelt as the cinematographer, and he did an admirable job. He has been the camera operator on some great films like Zodiac, Where the Wild Things Are, and I'm Still Here. Now as a DP, he's responsible for Meek's Cutoff, The Bling Ring, and First Cow, making him one I will be looking at for his next work as well. This story has been told many times before, but still enjoyable. And if you like adaptations set in elegance of yesteryear with subtle yet powerful performance, this is the flick for you. As this is totally Mrs. Dangerous style, I bought the Blu-ray based solely on the trailer, but you can also check it out streaming on HBO Max. Has anybody else seen Emma or had thoughts about the trailer or whether or not you're interested in seeing it? Yeah, the wife and I watched it, thoroughly enjoyed it. Pretty much everything you said, I'll agree with. And yeah, Bill Nye's hilarious in this. Really funny, really good. And um, I would recommend it as well. Is this the kind of flick money or movie Matt would check out or not really your genre? Not not really my genre, but uh, if movie Ash wanted to watch it, it's always possible. I may. I, it just depends on what mood I'm in, whether I'll catch it. <laughs> <laughs> if it's up there and I'm like, ah, yeah, I'll click on that. I, I was saying after you finish uh, Wonder Woman on Christmas Day, if you need something else to watch, you know, you can yeah, put that I on afterwards. I figure it'll be a good crossover. Or, or, you know, if you're feeling nostalgic already and want to watch the series finale of Supernatural again. I've only watched it twice. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you could kind of, you know, make it a kind of a female empowerment watching women directors, you know, HBO Max is really promoting those right now. So Maddie G, I had a quick quiz for you in regards to the movie emma the answer is bacon <laughs> mm, no that is not all right i mentioned that this director is a famous photographer without looking do not look on google do not wikipedia can you name any band that she has famously photographed their cd cover their music video, or even concert footage. I'm going to go with The Killers. Is that one of them? I do not see it in this list. Oh, okay. But it's not a bad guess. Go ahead, if you got another guess. Are we talking more in the pop world, or, or can you say? I would say more like indie rock more, so... There's there's I mean, a little bit that's outside of that. Looking at some of this, I mean, I think uh, I think uh, well, I feel like Maddie G might be a loser <laughs> <laughs> with a devil's haircut, maybe. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, so back, obviously. Yeah, I right, like yes, the strokes. Okay. Or a lot like of that. back on here. 
her CD covers are Miranda Cosgrove, Elliot Smith, She and Him, Jenny Lewis and the Watson, Watson Twins, The Raconteurs, The White Stripes, Fiona Apple, Beck, Built to Spill, Wilco, Monsters of Folk, and Newfound Glory. She did music videos for The Decemberists, Spoon, Ingrid Michelson, Tegan and Sarah, uh, Rilo Kylie, Death Cab for Cutie. And then she's done actual concert documentaries for The Flaming Lips, Spoon, and Arcade Fire. But I, so when I kind of like, I read that through that list and I was like, man, that is a lot of bands I like. And I'm going to look back at some of those covers because she's pretty impressive. And I, I didn't know anything really about her as a photographer. And I was kind of surprised to find out that her father was a famous musical photographer, Jerry DeWild. And she basically didn't do any formal schooling. She just learned to take photos from her dad and was around a lot of musicians all growing up and has gone on and i thought she did a really good job for this being her first film yeah i was impressed this kind of we've had this happen quite a bit where we're seeing music video people coming in as directors and cinematographers and stuff and it's kind of crazy it feels like a new thing i don't know if it is or not well i think it's kind of a newer thing but i think it's probably also older in terms i don't think we're going to see that near as much because there's not nearly as many music videos being made as what there were in the early 2000s late 90s so i don't know if that's going to be the best way to get into the industry but it sure worked for all the way back from david fincher who we just talked about last segment so all right and wrapping up our watch report segment maddie g what have you seen lately that's not on hbo max <laughs> Uh, one of the movies I watched recently is 2017's Golden Exits. The film is directed by Alex Ross Perry and stars Emily Browning, Jason Schwartzman, Chloe Sidney, Mary Louise Parker, and Adam Horowitz. Wait, who is Adam Horowitz, you may be asking? Adam Horowitz is also known as Ad Rock or King Ad Rock of the legendary Beastie Boys. Fun fact, you may not know, but Ad Rock is also the king of Boggle. There is none higher. He got 11 points off the word quagmire. All right, sorry, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> RIP MCA. So Golden Exits is set in a neighborhood in Brooklyn, New York, and is about two married couples that, while functional, have obvious underlying issues of unhappiness, stagnation, and lack of trust. The underlying issues get brought to the forefront when a student from Australia comes into their lives. I don't really want to give away much more because it's all in the movie. I found the movie interesting with uh, great acting and dialogue. I also want to praise the cinematography used in the film in which super 16 millimeter film was employed to give it a slightly grainy and analogish feel, which coupled well with the authentic examination of marriage and family dynamics. Overall, I liked the film and would recommend it to those who like this kind of movie. However, the film does move slowly and seems longer than its 90-minute runtime. So there's your money, Chris, disclaimer. <laughs> Golden Exits is currently available to watch on Hulu. Anyone else heard of this film or interested or looked at it at all? I had not heard about it until you said that you wanted to talk about it. And then I started looking at it and I was kind of like, how did this slip by me? Because it definitely is the kind of film that I'm typically interested in. Oh, wow. Well, that kind of I might have answered my own question. So the box office on this film was $41,000. I noticed that too. So, <laughs> uh, 
I, w- I think it's fair to say it did not do well in theaters or was probably not in theaters for very long if it was there. Um, but this stage six film, which is, I guess, a subsidiary or Sodi, I've seen some of their other works and I, I like them as a indie production studio. It's pretty cool. It definitely looks interesting. Money, don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> How am I the slow movie guy? We got movie Matt over here. Yeah. <laughs> I need like quick bites of movies. <laughs> like maybe a Quimmy <laughs> coming soon. So what 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 is the ideal time length? Because if 10 minutes is like <laughs> it's gotta be less than 10 minutes, but that was for TV shows. So what what is the Quimmy model? How long is the Quimmy? Really, I think the best path would be movies stay their normal length, but there is like a, a Quimmy button or like a cliff notes, cliff movies button that I can click when I'm like, I can't do this. And then I can just get like the, the you know, like a f- three or four minute summary, just like how I'd buy all the cliff notes books uh, to try and write my papers back in the day. <laughs> I do that it with would TV be... shows. Yeah. 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 I do my, my money cut and uh, <laughs> there'll be characters that I'm like, this character is worthless. I'm just going to skip their scene because they never add anything to the storyline as it goes. Like they're just, they're like, Hey, what are you eating for lunch or something? I'm like, Nope don't care about uh, this it's the flash i don't care what you had for for lunch i think we're on to something here i mean there's so much content out there and we want to consume it all but it's not possible so how do we condense it it's the whole point it's just you just want to be able to say oh yeah i've seen that but you don't really have to know that much about it just the gist they need to have a speed button like on podcasts Ooh, oh, gosh. like 1.5 yes. or two two times i thought netflix had that yeah i think tivo has that too do they i i couldn't do it yeah, no, I probably won't. I would totally do it. That would be <laughs> awesome. I absolutely—I mean, not all the time because it's totally disrespectful to the makers of the movie. But yeah, I would totally do that for some of some of the shows. Yeah, Netflix on an Android device able to stream at either 0. 0.5, 0. 0.75 speed, or 1.25 and 1.5 speed. But only on Android devices, you said. Okay. Problem there is I wouldn't get an Android device. Yeah, I don't know exactly how if it got rolled out, but is it like that chipmunk voice when you're listening to audio that's sped up? I think it's a little bit higher, but I don't think it's that bad. Huh. I mean, it's be the same as a podcast if you've ever listened to a podcast speed up sped up. I haven't. It's... I listened to ours at like 0.25 to really <laughs> savor every word. Wow. All the uhs are really just <laughs> yeah. oh, they hit. Uh... So, money, what do you have this week? It's like the sloth on Zootopia. <laughs> yeah. And with that, Captain, say your goodbyes. The grass is dead and covered with salt. Why doesn't he want me, man? He's a trifling silly fop. And we say our goodbye, goodbyes with some of our favorite quotes from the shows, just so that makes sense for you all. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Remember, if you're not following us or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, take a minute and do that. It helps us out. Thanks for listening.
Hey, this is guest host Paul. You should check out the Captain's website at moviepodcast.com. And while you're at it, subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. Come on, you know you want to.